You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations. All while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. This is Fearless Business, and this is Robin Waite. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's the Fearless Biz Podcast and I'm super excited to introduce you to my guest today. It's Danny Matthews. Uh, he is the master of disruption uh, from a technology perspective. Um, I'm super, oh, I'm going to be asking him some pointy questions about his past. Not that it's checkered, but he's done some awesome things in the technology space. Uh, and he has um, transferred um, out of a technology business into a slightly different business now to uh, get back to his design and branding roots, which is where his passion are so welcome to the show danny hello robin cool well, so we're gonna are you ready to go we'll just dig straight straight awesome man so um listen i want to i'm really interested to kind of um you made quite a big transition you you launched an app a few years ago called morgie which kind of disrupted the the mortgage industry and you had some really fascinating stuff going on with talks about sort of from investors and various things like that so can we can you give us a bit of a sort of a background about that and then maybe we'll lean into your decision to move into branding yeah so um all those many years ago um I, you know, as you do, you kind of have, have the dreams of what you want to do, or actually most people don't know what they want to do when they're at school. Um, I, I kind of did. Um, but for whatever reason, I, um, I just ended up getting a job and, uh, it was in insurance and, uh, fast forward 10 years later, I found myself running a mortgage and insurance brokers for a number of years. Um, I always had an interest in technology. I always had an interest in, uh, I was always one of those geeks who liked kind of AI, the movie, and um, stuff about robots. And I was always a massive Transformers fan. I remember when the first Transformers film came out, the, the like live action movie, not the animated one. And it was it was like my entire life changed in a minute. Like everything I'd ever dreamt about as a kid was almost real. And it was a so I was always really interested in like the story behind the technology in Transformers and other films. Well, I was going to say, because I bet as a kid, you never woke up thinking, I, do you know what? I want to sell insurance and mortgages when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, actually, when, when I first started out in financial services, I worked for a, an agent who is in private medical insurance. And actually, I grew to really love the industry. Like it was because it was heavily linked to kind of lifestyle and health and wellness and that kind of thing. It actually became really interesting, all the statistics around kind of cancer and uh, cures and rates and what have you. So uh, I became really interested in it. And it was only because I've seen opportunity to grow outside of that into protection and then eventually into mortgages when, when I got qualified, um, which uh, I, I, I just kind of found myself falling into each step along the way, a little bit like you do when you're in a job. You just kind of go up the ranks because you, you're almost forced or pushed that way or, or nurtured into that role. So that's kind of what happened in the business. Um, so, but I always had that interest in technology. And when I was a mortgage advisor, it was ridiculous that I'd find myself in a car for like up to two hours sometimes. And because I'm a nice guy, I didn't want to rush the meeting right. like in someone's health. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you're sitting in someone's house, you 
you want to be respectful but not rude so um and there was a number of occasions where i almost felt like i overstayed my welcome just because i felt like i had to do a good job so sometimes i was in someone's house for like two hours and then I'd drive back up to two hours. And at this point, I hadn't even done anything yet, like research-wise or actually trying to find a deal for someone. So sometimes I'll be spending 15 hours on a client before I even recommend the product. And then if they apply for it and they fail, back to square one. And, and I did this for about a year before I, I was just pulling my hair out thinking, what the hell do I do? This is ridiculous. And always been interested in technology. I thought, right, well, let's have a look at a few things. And um, I stopped advising for a short period of time um, to try and find a solution to this. Just completely went, do you know what? I'm not going to do anything until I find another way, another way to do this. So I went and got a little bit clued up on um, automation and uh, Zapier, which is a service that I've mentioned before, um, and tried to find a way to, to make this easier. Um, what ended up coming out the other end of that was, like you said, Morgie, which essentially was a proof of concept. And it was really weird because people used to ask to invest in it. Um, and I, I kind of had to tell a number of people that you, you can't really because you can do this if you want. You just have to go and do it. Um, so it was basically a service that I put together from a form that went to a um, uh, an email that notified me. And then it'd fill out an application form and it would find kind of a suitable solution based on some rules and some um, particular questions that, that I asked them. And um, so uh, I got to that point and thought, well, I've put that together. People are interested, but I can't really do anything with it. Like no one can invest in it because it's just a proof of concept, but it worked. I mean, I, I remember I, I kind of dressed it up as a company, even though it's a proof of concept, which is why people know Morgie. Um, and I launched it. And I think on launch within a few weeks, I had about, I think it was about 1.4 million of applications, which sounds better than it is because it's essentially mortgage amounts so the mortgage amounts of applications would add up to that the realistic side of that is it was about eight grand worth of business um but it's still pretty impressive though because you know to to i mean what sort of time scale are we taking how long did it take to kind of make like build the app and because i remember i remember playing with the app you know when you you, you brought it to stroudnet um where, where sort of we first um met you know various different events going on and um I, I was blown away by it because it made the whole process that much, you know, more simple when mortgages are super complicated as a, as a, you know, a, just a general Joe public who's mm-hmm. out there trying to buy a house. And it's something that probably, you know, through our lifetime, we maybe only ever move house like three or four times or something like that. So it's not something we're doing every day. And it just made the whole process very understandable. Yeah, it was, it, it took about six months for me to really understand how I was going to do it. To, to like talk to people and understand, do I really have to get loads of money and invest in like artificial intelligence and pay developers and all this kind of stuff? Um, or is actually there's things out there that I'm already using that I can use, things like CRM systems and HubSpot and whatever else. And actually I found that there was, you know, if you, uh, what Morgie essentially was, if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever seen these actually run, but you know, you see these like apps that aren't actually fully developed apps. They essentially pull data from your website. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was essentially that, 
And the website was an amalgamation of a landing page with a type form. So I, you can pay for a service called Typeform where there's like rule-based um, answers and questions. Yeah. So it was a decision, a decision tree, which essentially everyone has because we ask the questions every day. So I made a decision tree out of Typeform to do with a mortgage fact find document, which is the thing that takes an hour or two. Um, and then that, whatever the results are of that document were then fed in via Zapier into another form. I forget who the paperwork was through, uh, but it was basically a service where it would automatically fill uh, a document in that I created through PDF or whatever. Uh, and then that would automatically then trigger something to send to a customer to sign, and then it would return to me without me touching a thing. Wow. And that is six hours minimum and up to 15 hours. So yeah. actually, when we talk about how much money it brought in or whatever, it's nothing compared to how much time it saved. Do you no. think that that's where, I mean, that's where most of the innovation comes from, isn't it? Because I always say to, say to people, you know, especially in the coaching consulting space, that you can always make more money, but you can never make more time. Once time's gone, like, especially if you're selling stuff by the hour, you've just sold a piece of your soul for like a yeah. sum of money. I mean, obviously if it's like a million pounds an hour, then that's worthwhile. Like, you know, my yeah. soul's quite expensive, but in terms of like, you know, most coaches and consultants, they're really struggling to maximize their time. So we've got all these amazing apps out there and you've named a couple of type forms, Zapier and things like that, which I'm, I'm familiar with. What, what do you think, um, you know, cause Morgie was, you started developing that, what was it about five or six years ago? It was a while ago, wasn't it now? Uh, but yeah, maybe, that's, that's maybe and you came to the talk at Stroudnet about kind of, um, you know, disruptive technologies. What do you think is, has been the, the, the biggest, most significant shift you think over the last, I don't know, two or three years in the technological space? Hmm, interesting. I, I think it's, um, I actually think it's, it's more to do with the people than it is the technology. The, the technology has been developed for years and years. Like technically artificial intelligence has been around for decades, but we haven't quite managed to put it in a way that's understandable for people. And I think that's all that's happened is that people have, people have decided to communicate it in a different way and in a way that, that normal Joe public can understand. Yeah. I think we understand now that if we tell Alexa something, it's going to give us something back. And then next time we tell it something and actually think, now I think about think, it. I was going to say, do you think though, with something like Alexa, that actually it's more about Alexa training us than it is yeah. the other way around? We don't train Alexa. Like Alexa has like a subset of answers. Like, yeah. so we, yeah, we exactly. We are suckers for, for convenience. And if that's going to save us a bunch of time, we're going to go with it. So yeah, they are, they are kind of training us in a way. And chatbots, have you done any work with chatbots? Because I feel that, that that's an untapped technology that people are kind of really want to get stuck into. But again, it's, it's technically challenging for a lot, of the, a lot of people maybe who are listening. So what advice would you give to somebody who is maybe setting up a coaching practice? They want to get some, introduce some artificial intelligence into the way that they kind of prospect for customers. Um, and are interested in something like chatbots what what where would be a good place to start for chatbots specifically actually the, the services the popular services that you see um chat fuel and many chat specifically they have loads and loads of resources i actually funny actually rob between all of this in the background i kind of 
when because I I interviewed the guy Mikhail Yang of Many Chat for a book I was writing, and uh, and I thought God this is clever stuff. And at the time it was just before he it was just before Many Chat released like the the visual decision tree making of the chatbots, and he was like oh I've got this thing and it's going to change. He actually asked me what's you know what feedback have you got? What would you do next as a feature? And I said well if people can just see what they're asking. That would be great because essentially, then artificial intelligence becomes um, accessible. Um, drag, drag and drop, almost a bit yeah, like how Bill exactly. Gates imagined, you know, navigating a, a Windows. Exactly. Back in the day, what was that? Nineteen eighty something. I, I bet it was. <laughs> yeah. But and actually, looking back on that, I think if I can kind of give coaches, consultants, freelancers something to feel more comfortable with all this artificial intelligence. You just have to think of artificial intelligence as a conversation that is translated via computer. That's all it is. It's essentially you asking something and it giving you a response as if it was a human but it's not. Um, chatbots, so what I was uh, just going back to what I was saying, between all of this, I thought, oh, this is clever, this chatbot stuff. Maybe I could just teach people how to use it. And it was very short-lived, but I started a thing called Messenger Bot Mastery. And um, I still, to this day, get leads every day on Facebook through that page, and it's not even active. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Um, but there's plenty of resources to learn. What I would do is just sign up for ManyChat or another service, whatever you want. Just have a play with it. It's, it's really fun to have a conversation with, uh, with your clients or you and then just map out what the questions are, what the answers would be and what your response would be and essentially translate it to a chatbot. And it becomes a massive time saver, resource saver, uh, anything uh, it actually makes a bigger impact than people realize i think on, yeah. on that business i've, I've found that I've, i found the more i've introduced um technology into my business that the better qualified people are who come through sort of my various different you know programs groups and things yeah. like that because you know even something as simple as asking three questions in a facebook group to qualify people when they come into the group right, straight away if somebody can't be bothered to put in there you know why they're joining the group what they're hoping to get out of it and their email address if they can't be bothered to answer three very simple questions what value are they going to add to the group and also i had somebody the other day who the other day this is a while ago actually at the start of my coaching pro- program uh, uh, when i opened up my coaching practice and i started to introduce things like acuity scheduling to automate the booking side of it because my diary was a mess i was mi- m- missing stuff like left right and center just mm. as i got busier which is a natural byproduct like mess comes from success quite quite often um so we set up acuity and i set up a type form as well funny enough to kind of gather some initial information it was like 20 questions that your mother-in-law would ask a business owner basically (laughs) and um and i I remember having some somebody said it's really impersonal like I i didn't like it it was really impersonal i don't think i want to work with you i was like hang on you had to do two things in order to book at the time it was a 60 minute consultation with me so two, like you had to fill out a type form, get yourself booked onto Acuity, and then I'll give you 60 minutes of my time. So you've got to do these two automated things to get me. How is that impersonal? I'm just like, I don't want to sit here with my calendar open all day long, booking like 40 calls a week. It's, like, it, that's just not healthy for anyone. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so so what else could a um, as you know, like I said, a lot of the audience or people listening are going to be coaches, consultants, and freelancers. So, if there, were, what are the sorts of tasks that they could start to? When we've mentioned a couple there, what sort of tasks take tend to take people a lot of time? They could automate do you feel uh like admin tasks i mean to to be honest things like accounting make me feel a little bit sick so uh, i don't want to do that on my free friday that i free up to spend time with the family so i get an accountant to do it and i pay them to do it if but if i could program my accounting software to say whenever i spend money to do something or it triggers some kind of action probably save me a few quid here and there spend me a load of time um you know you've just you've just solved a problem for me danny right there and then just (laughs) saying that right so get this so i i use receipt bank okay so so when an invoice comes in i i automatically hit forward and send out just set up a bloody email rule why am i doing that manually yeah. You know, it's, it, but it, the thing is, though, no artificial intelligence is going to be able to help you solve pro- meaningful problems like that. You need a human, exactly. an, an intelligent human being, not like us, but an intelligent human being to have that conversation with mm-hmm. who, can, who can, you know, help ask the right questions and help you work out some of those automations. So we've got, we've got yeah. automating some of those tasks like accounts. Mm-hmm. What else could we be doing? Like booking, uh, like, uh, I mean, everyone's aware of, uh, everyone's so afraid of technology but everyone like schedules their social media posts via Buffer or Hootsuite and literally the same thing. Um, so things like booking, like you said about acuity, um, screening, like I did in mortgages, the big amount of time was traveling, meeting, and asking loads of questions. And uh, even I, I, um, I met someone to go and take, do a fact find for his mortgage once. And he worked for, I think it was Fujitsu or Samsung or, or something. And, uh, and he was like, could you not have just emailed me that? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could have. But the, the 99% of other people haven't asked me that. So, <laughs> so uh, I did it face to face. So anything which is paper intensive, question intensive, uh, travel intensive, get rid, automate it. I, I think uh, as well in this in this day and age with the way the way technology is so ingrained in business, well, life generally, but business especially. You know, and you get people who say, oh, "I'm not very good with technology." I actually don't think there's any excuses. I think if you're going to run, it's like accounts. You know, I'm not very good with numbers. I'm a big fan of you've got to be interested enough in every aspect of your business before you delegate it. So you need to understand like a basic profit and loss account before you hand it over to a, an accountant. Because otherwise, you, you know, they're not going to understand exactly like what the goals are with your business, financial goals or anything like that if you don't understand it yourself. And I yeah. think it's the same with technology. When you're, you know, I mean, there's, there's clever guys like you, Danny, who can, you can kind of, um, not, you don't do it now and we're going we're gonna to chat about what you do now in a second. But um, there are people out there who can help you with those automations. Um, but... If, if you don't understand the processes, like the, 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 the processes that sit, like that actually make your business work, like that sequence of events that happen on that customer journey, you're never going to be able to tell an intelligent person, um, like what, you know, what the steps are that they've got to automate for exactly. you. And yeah, I think yeah. you, you have to take responsibilities for those sorts of things and at least be interested enough, like understand it enough, even if you can't implement it, just be interested so you can delegate it like responsibly rather yeah. than just handing it over to somebody else. 
you know, for for all of the bravado and and ego or whatever anyone wants to say about Gary Vaynerchuk, he has said one really smart thing ever that I've ever heard. It's the smartest thing I've probably ever heard of him say, um, which is the best marketing tactic in the world is to care. Yeah, and it's and that's all. That's literally all you have to do. It's At like all the levels. holy grail. Yeah, it's like the holy grail of everything. Just give a damn about people and your customers and the journey they go through and how they feel at each stage and what they want to do and what's convenient and what's not convenient and how they want to be spoken to and where they want to be spoken to. Just care about that stuff and it, it'd be easy. That's it. Well, I, but I think it goes. I think it goes. That's it. But I think it goes several layers deep, Danny. I, deeper than that. I think it's you, It's not just about caring about the customers. You've got to care enough about yourself. You've got to care enough about all the aspects of your business. You've got to care about your family. It, it, you've just got to care enough about everything, I think, in order to kind of create success these days. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's one of the things I like about what you do is kind of, you know, when, when you were, I remember when you did your, your talk at, um, at the networking event and you, you weren't really kind of, you just came along as an avid enthusiast about artificial intelligence. It wasn't like you had a service that you were selling there that was related to it because, yeah. but it was because you cared enough that you wanted to share this message with, with other people. And I think that's super, super important is that ability was, to kind of give with abundance. Yeah, that's what it was. It was, um, and it was really out of the frustration that I'd spent so long trying to figure this stuff out and realized that it was so simple. I was frustrated that um, every time I'd speak to someone and they'd say, oh, I couldn't do that stuff. And I still get it now. Oh, I'm not creative. Like, it really annoys me. <laughs> and I thought, I can, I can really show you that this is simple stuff. You've just got to care enough to teach yourself a little bit about it. And then you can say to someone, right, I get this now. This is the result I want to, I want to get. This is how my current process works. Can you now do something smart with that to save me time, to save me money or, or something else? Well, it's, um, it's that whole thing about fight, flight, freeze though. Cause the moment we're presented with something that we don't know anything about, like fear kicks in and that yeah. fear creates one of those three responses. And for most people it ends up just being, uh, we, you know, well, we freeze, we just ignore it in the end because we procrastinate, we just can't, like fathom how it's going to work and we don't bother asking somebody how it works and so we just don't do it we just go oh chatbots are too, they're, they're too complicated for me well just go and learn about it like the amount of stuff you can get on YouTube now like we don't, we don't need experts we don't need you or me you just need yeah. YouTube and like a, a sensible search term like go in there and say like you know beginner's guide to chatbots and you can start learning about chatbots like it's this stuff's not rocket science you know, I've actually got you know I mentioned about the messenger bot mastery thing I remember putting together an ebook I'm going to dig it out and I'll stick it in the group if you want that'd be awesome yeah that'd be super because I'm sure there'd be a number of people who'd be interested in that um, right I mean I tell you what's interesting as well is um, when you're saying about kind of being interested in, enough in stuff just like taking a little, a little bit of action to move forward we used to do a, a one-day branding workshop and part of that process one of the steps was to get the because the clients would come into the office and we'd start the branding process with them in, in my marketing business and one of the steps we'd actually get out sheets of paper and we get them to start sketching out their ideas so we had a couple of steps before that we come up with a concept and be like right everybody get crayons and pens out and stuff start drawing and I remember we used to have um, there, was, there was this one guy who uh, is an architect and he is the MD of the business and they, they were joining two firms together, an engineering firm, structural engineering firm and an architect's. But, and there was about 40 people in this company, but we had, we had four or five. And I remember this guy when he, um, for anybody listening to the podcast, you're not gonna be able to see this, but he was literally like, he was sat back 
in his chair, crossed arms, thought we were about to waste a day of his time, right? And I was like, oh, this is going to be hard work. He was the most enthusiastic person ever when we get to the drawing bit. He was just like all over it, just sketching out ideas. And I think it's just, just because what we, what we used to do on that, that process was just educate people enough that they could get enthusiastic about it and kind of take them back to the roots and do a bit of drawing. Yeah. But the branding, the branding side, obviously this is, um, I was trying to segue into kind of what you're up to now. So, so Morgie kind of, um, you know, you had some moderate success with Morgie and the mortgage company and, um, you know, that's going well. You kind of made this transition into kind of uh, automation and things like that with the business side of things. And um, so today, now you're into branding. So what was the, talk mm. to us about that journey. Like when you were like, I want to do this thing I'm super enthusiastic about. Yeah, it was, um, it was triggered as part of uh, actually what happened with Morgie, which is interesting. Now I look back as kind of a preface to the story I'll tell. Now I look back, I can see that when I left school, I went through the Prince's Trust to start uh, an eco. It was when the eco stuff first came about when I was about 17. I went through the Prince's Trust to start an eco-friendly brand, uh, design and print company. Cool. called EcoPrint, which later got business uh, plan got palmed off with someone and I took the money and run. Um, so later on, throughout the next kind of 10, 11 years or so, I kept catching myself trying to move out of insurance. I'd be the first one to jump at the chance of, oh, let me do the logo. Oh, you want to do a brochure? I'll do that. Like as part of, even when I was employed, oh, I'll do it. Like I was like added value almost. But, and now I look back, I can see that that was me trying to get out. Um, and, uh, and I found it all the way through. Morgie specifically was my like, let me get out. So I, I designed Morgie from ground up, like take away the technology, everything, the, the website, the app, the icons, the logos, everything about that I, I created from scratch. No one had any input whatsoever. I wish they did actually, because then it, it might have been, had a little bit more of other people's personality, not just mine. But what happened with Morgie was I would get requests to, um, for people to invest in Morgie, but it just wasn't possible until a few companies said, oh, no, we actually don't want to invest in it. We just wondered if you'd come and do it for us. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I ended up getting contracted for about 15 months-ish with a, a small mortgage brokers in London. I think they had about seven advisors. Oh, actually, no, they had like, I think they had five or six advisors, a couple of support staff, just one guy running it. Um, and he was kind of looking for a way to uh, go and take on more business without taking on more staff. And he was looking for it for ages. And uh, he came across me and Morgan and said, oh, come do it for us. We just want to kind of simplify the process, make things a bit more efficient. Long story short, worked with them for 15 months to build a, a software that would integrate with the government's um, uh, system, central system for like uh, affordable housing in London. So yeah. help to buy and that kind of thing. They ended up winning the contract, which was a five-year contact contract worth three billion quid wow purely based on like me going i hope you're on well. commission i wasn't uh. I paid enough. <laughs> um but they paid me okay but actually throughout that process the idea was that by the end of it they would take me on as like a board member uh, i literally had the offer of a lifetime in front of me it would have changed my life um but I had to turn it down because they were horrible human beings. Oh, spending, spending 15 months in the depths 
of the financial services industry. I mean, some of the people involved in this were like, they were big, like way above my pay grade. <laughs> um, the people that I almost, I felt like I wanted to be involved with before and ended up realizing that I never want to be involved with those people ever. Um, so I turned it down to the dismay of my wife but we're, <laughs> that's another story um so i left that and actually how, how do you make a decision like that uh on your knees with seven people dragging you off the floor in central london <laughs> <laughs> but emotion, emotionally like you know it yeah. sounds like that was a, a big deal and I'm, I'm guessing kind of it wasn't just like a momentary decision it was this was like it was you knew it was coming it was building yeah. up and then yeah was it was i sense that it was a massive a um, bit of relief as well, like once you've made that decision too. Oh yeah, it was a it was a hard transition after I made the decision as well, trying to patch up relationships and move software and all kinds of stuff like intellectual property wise, and it was a little bit messy. But after I made the decision, I, yeah, it was like weight off the shoulders. Yeah. It, how, it was, how long ago was that? Oh, two years ago, two and a okay. years ago. And I've since spoken to someone, uh, like almost like therapy. I don't want to call it therapy. It wasn't, it was more of like a mindset expert. And, um, and we've talked about the whole situation and, uh, and actually they said, what happened? And I said, well, I literally just dropped to the floor and she, and she said, interesting that whenever you, whenever you lose feeling from the waist down, it's literally your body and mind saying you cannot go further. Um, so I just made a decision. And I wallowed in self-pity for a couple of months after that. Uh, just sat at home doing nothing. <laughs> uh, but what actually came out of that is um, I realized that whenever I was in a bad situation, my immediate go-to was like pick up a pencil and pad and sketch um, or play around on Photoshop or find some photos to have a little play with and see if I could create like reptile skin out of people's faces and like all kinds of weird geeky stuff. Um, you, got, you got like a, it was, um, cause I remember you going through that transition and you got a bit of a cult following of people who were like looking to see what the next creation, the Danny creation was going to be. <laughs> I remember that time. Man. That was probably the logo challenge I did. Yeah, it was. Actually, yeah. I'll get onto that in a sec. So basically what happened was I was in a, what I call creative therapy and um, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I was lost in the wilderness, felt like I was stood in a desert with no one around. And uh, one day I was sketching and my wife said, can't you just get paid for that? And I went, oh yeah, I probably could, but I've got no experience, so I'll just see what I can do. And that's when I had a look around and started talking to other graphic designers and branding people. And someone said, oh, you should do a challenge, like a 30-day challenge where you just design something every day. What do you want to do? And I was like, well, logos. And weirdly, I came across this website called 30 Day Logo Challenge or 30 Logos. And you sign up and every day they send you a brief. And I thought, well, how long is it going to take? I'll just time myself. So I'll time myself for an hour every day for 30 days. Um, there's a whole article about this on LinkedIn, which I can give you the link for. Um, and basically I got to, I think day eight. Yeah, it must be day eight or 12. And um, I had 16 inbox messages asking for, it was asking for work. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I could probably do this for a job now. Um, and I realized at that stage, what I really needed is client experience. So I went, um, 
I always said I was unemployable, but actually at that point I was like, I, I need to go and find clients and client work. And the easiest way for me to do that was go and get employment. So I was employed for a year. I very quickly outgrew it, I think, with um, just ambition and what I wanted to do and just the general com- confines of employment, as everyone knows. Um, yeah, and then went out on my own, said, I'm done, freelance. So uh, set up a family-run studio. Cool. It was, there was one point, one thing which you just said there, which I find really fascinating. You said, oh, I, I didn't have any experience. So... And you're talking about your app, Morgie. I, I designed everything like right down to the icons and launched <laughs> launched this app that you were getting applications through that people wanted to invest in. Yeah, you've got no experience, Danny. Yeah, yeah, no experience at all. None, no Didn't experience Didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny because the blindingly obvious is, is always quite often like right in front yeah. of us, but we miss it. But and, yeah. and but you had to go through that journey in order to, to get to where you are today. So, hey. Mm-hmm. So, so. Um, so your business now then you've been sort of running it for a year what sort of clients are you working with at the moment Uh, so there's uh, two sides to my client book there is one which is um, pre-seed funded startups so I help them from the ground up to build their brand um, to their ideal client so a lot lot of that kind of work goes in Uh, right through to sort of user experience and um, app design and all that kind of stuff so a little bit like what I did with Morgie and the other side is businesses that have been running for a while but just kind of a lot of us as businesses we just kind of get going that's kind of what we do Uh, I'm going to start a business here's my name here's the bank account let's go and we go and get business but actually what we miss I think is um, really trying to figure out uh, what we're doing and how we communicate it because I believe that is what um, brings us clients. I don't think it matters what you do, whether it's you make marshmallow packaging or you're a florist or whatever. If you can communicate what you do really effectively, the clients that you want will be drawn to you. Yeah. So, um, so the two sides to my client book are startup businesses and also businesses that might have been running for a while with no direction. And I give them that direction from branding and a design point of view. Well, what's interesting is that um, one of the most common questions I get asked by coaches and consultants is, do I, do I set up a personal brand or do I set up a, like a company brand? What would your advice be? I think there's, there's two sides of this because people, uh, I think people try and confuse it. I'm going to try and simplify this actually um, while I'm outwardly thinking. Um, they're both essentially the same things. When, when we get down to it, what you're actually asking is how do I externally communicate my value? That's the real question um, because they're the same thing. If you have a set of uh, values and kind of a, a vision of what you want out of your business and out of your life and how you're going to get there. It doesn't matter really whether you're, whether I'm Danny Matthews or I'm um, Squishy Co. Uh, it's, the, it's the same thing. Um, I also am very, quite empathetic to the fact that that can be quite confusing for some people because there is a lot around this personal branding um, uh, at the moment and influencers and all that kind of stuff. I think the simple part of it is they're the same thing, but also people buy from people. And um, I believe that what whatever your logo is, whether it's your name or a company name, as long as you are the person in your business doing the the 
outwardly facing work then then that's a that's okay well, I, I can kind of share. Yeah, I get that. And I, I, I can share a little bit of my journey because I started out, you know, the coaching practice as Robin Waite, business coach. And then the whole fearless business thing kind of kicked off. I had a, a, a speaking gig and um, somebody met, asked a question about fear in business or something. And I said, well, you just need to be fearless in business. There's nothing like fear things in business ever so slightly less just to get you push yourself outside the comfort zone. Like what the worst that's going to happen with business is like, you might lose a bit of money and a bit of time, like, and, and maybe some people won't like your Facebook posts. You know, it's not like you're on the plains of Africa where you could walk to a stream, get eaten by a crocodile, a lion, squished by a hippo, you know, bashed around the head by a giraffe. It, like it, it, it's, it's like in business, it's not actually that much to be afraid of. And so, for a while, it was Robin Waite, business coach, and it was Robin Waite, the fearless business coach. And then I realised actually, I had bigger ambitions for the practice. I wanted to grow it, so hence, you know, fearless. So that's practical. Uh, yeah. So people confuse kind of. Uh, I think people get confused because they're trying to they're trying to think too much about what other people should should think of them and what other people are going to think of them. Actually, if you want to get practical, do you want to, do you want the business to be about you or do you want the bit, do you want the business to be about you building it and then selling it or do you like, there's a very practical element to branding and it's not, it's not always just about, do you want to be a personal brand or a business brand? Um, And there's so much that goes into it. I think it's, uh, an important distinction to make, but it's not a hard decision. Yeah. It's for now. It's like it's for now, not forever. Make a choice and then change it if you want. And I, I, I demonstrate with you. I also think as well, like people put so much on the line as well when they set up a new business, like small business, and they're like, I've got to get my logo done, and I've got to get my website done, and I've got to get all the social media channels. They got all this tactical stuff that they get really bogged down with. Now, I was probably going to, I'm going to say something that may make you shudder, but one of the pieces of advice I give people on the branding side of things when they're just starting out get a logo done on Fiverr just get something out just get it (laughs) but you know what I mean like because actually in business one of the most important things is to go out and get clients and start earning money and validate yourself validate whatever it is that you're doing you can make logos perfect later you can make the website perfect later you know and those sorts of things now i'm not i think at some point you do have to invest like heavily in branding in order to get a proper you know a really good outcome which is what you do like a you know at the end of the day you know they always say you can't judge a book by its cover but if you see a shit logo you're just going to walk straight past that business nowadays yeah it's a again it's like it's a practical thing for me i think if someone the one thing i get every day is hi danny i've seen your post how much is a logo i'm like what's the problem like, do you, really, do you really need to solve a problem with it or do you just want a logo in which there's plenty of websites that will do you one for nothing? Um, so it, it is, uh, logo design and branding is quite practical. If someone comes to me with, I'm um, setting up a new business, I've got funding, we want to, you know, we've got a, a budget for it, we really want to get it right and we want it to last forever and, and all this stuff. Yeah, let's get it right before you start because actually it would do a massive favour going forward because you'll know who you're communicating to, uh, you'll know how you're communicating to them, you know where, um, you've actually got a style that attracts the, those people. Um but if someone comes to me like, I'm just starting a brand new business, it's just me, I've just left my job, and really I need like a logo and branding to get started, nah, just honestly, go, go, don't even go to Fiverr because you'll waste a Fiverr when you could have just gone on Canva 
and chose one in seconds, uh, put your name under it and job done. Um, there's a whole other conversation about Fiverr, which I'm, I'm sure... <laughs> no, go for it. Come on, let's, let's tear some skyscrapers down. Let's go for it. I'm all for creative marketplaces. People per hour, Upwork, they're actually really quite good um, for most services. Fiverr, even I've used before, Shock Horror, um, to get things like a photo of me, at, like as a cartoon, for example, because it's someone's skill and they can do it and I'd pay eight quid for it or whatever it may be. Um, however, then I started looking into it a little bit more and there is one reason I will not use Fiverr and it's because they are completely unmanned and in my opinion unethical there's plenty of evidence out there and i've actually done this myself uh i've took some money to fiverr and i've paid a number of people one that's cheap one that's middle and one that's fairly expensive the result was very different and actually the one time i had a really bad problem was that the the guy was showing me um logos that were someone else's because you can google search the image and actually find out who did it originally um and then when i consulted him about it and said that's not your logo he got really defensive so i went to fiverr and said look i've got absolute evidence that the people on your platform are essentially committing fraud and swindling people out of money for uh, things that aren't real and uh, they completely ignored it for months and months and wow. I followed up and followed up and followed up they're just not interested so I think there is a a um, mentality there that because it's only five dollars people won't be that bothered and they basically live on an unethical pot of money <laughs> Um, because they're a, a cashless business or a assetless business, really. The people. Well, and they push all of the risk either onto the customer or onto the supplier. You know, exactly. that's, it's, that, that's how their terms and conditions are structured, and they just become a marketplace. Exactly. And, um, and it would be fine if that's communicated, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame because uh, I've been on people per hour for a while, not as a designer, actually, as a buyer. Um, Upwork take applications and they turn down more than they take on so I'm a massive fan of them uh, even though I'm not on there they won't accept my application <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really good marketplaces if you want some half decent work done to be honest yeah. it, it's, it's, it's much easier to get stuff done on Fiverr because they can't rip that logo off I've had that designed by a professional you know so, so all they've got to do is animate it using one of their filters and kind of away you go sort of thing yeah. And that sort of thing straightforward. <clears throat> I think if you're having some original stuff created, then you probably want to consider either doing it yourself or getting, getting a professional in to help you with it. What, yeah. what are the first sort of steps then that, um, you know, cause obviously we talk about you and I are experienced in this industry and, and sometimes I kind of naively forget how, how much, how many steps we actually take clients through from a branding design perspective. But what are the first steps you talked about um, core values and a couple of other steps, what are the first steps that somebody should think about when they're trying to take their, their core values and put them out there as their brand. Values, uh, even I think finding our core values is pretty hard. It's a, it's a difficult task to do because the thing about values is we like to think that our values are something um, when actually there's nothing wrong with it, but uh, when actually our values could be very different. 
And even though there's nothing wrong with being aspirational with our values and me thinking, actually, I quite like to think people uh, think I'm honest and trustworthy. Actually, they might not be the values I, I want to put across to people to attract them to my business. So we just kind of throw values out there as if like it's something we think people should see us as when actually if you find your true values, it makes a whole lot of difference. Um, and the way I think you can do that is, and this isn't an easy task, but almost to timeline your life in stories, almost like you're writing a biography, a biography of yourself. This is what I did here. And you kind of pick up and you have a, you can have a little giggle with it. You can do it with your family and stuff and say, Oh God, I do it with my wife sometimes. Can you remember when like we lived in this apartment in Birmingham and I walked five miles to farm foods with four quid just to get some pasta <laughs> for two weeks. Like, and we have a, bit, <laughs> we have a bit of a giggle. Um, and, but you start to pick up trends along yeah. the way. Uh, and that's a really powerful thing to do. It's a long old process and it's hard. It's quite emotional, but that's a really good thing to do and will last you a lifetime. Um, with, um, with the kind of first steps of branding and what I think people should do is, first of all, if you've already been in business for a while, dead easy, pick your favorite client and just replicate them. That's probably the easiest thing to do. Um, most of the branding work I do at the very beginning, right, tell me about the business, how did you start, and who's your favorite client? And then they'll give me this big story about, oh, we met, and then we did this, and then I felt like this, and you know, we, we ended up being friends for 15 years, and now they still use, great, let's replicate that. What take me from the beginning? Who are they? How old are they? And I get dead specific. Name, we find a photo. Uh, and if we don't know anything, you know what's amazing about this? If you don't know anything and you find yourself assuming certain things, pick up the phone. Like You, you know them. They're your, they're your favorite client. Of course they're going to answer some questions. And it might feel a little bit weird at first, but actually it's an amazing thing to do. Hi, Jenny, you've been my friend for so long and I'm trying to improve my business. We're just going through basically the fact that you're my favorite client. What a nice thing to say to someone. And, um, and I'd like to get more people like you into the business. Can I just ask you something? What was it that drew you to me the first time that we met? And they'll tell you. They'll, they'll tell you everything. You've, and you've also got to listen for the clues as well as to people you don't, who, who you, you're not necessarily a good fit for. And I, I, there's two examples I can think of. What, one, we, we had a really great consultation. First time I'd, um, we'd actually spoken, we had a great consultation. She said, I loved your books, love this, and the other, blah, blah, blah. But I can't, I can't buy from you. And I said, what, what is it? Do you not understand the products? Is it like too expensive? Is it, is it me? And she went, yeah, it is actually you. She said, I don't like the fact that you say fuck all the time. I was like, cool. Well, we know that. I said, unfortunately, it's just part of my, you know, it's just, that's just who I've chosen to be. And, um, you know, I, I'm sorry, you know, but um, she said, look, you know, it's, it's just, I, I think, you know, you're a great person. You offer a load of value. I love your books, but I just, I'm not sure that I could coach with you because you'd swear at me all the time. I was like, it's cool. You know, I kind of get that. And, um, you know, I, I remember also doing a, um, a talk once uh, up in in Hereford uh, for an amazing event actually which I had running up there and um, I I did the talk it was only a 10 minute like quick keynote in front of about 100 people <clears throat> and this this um uh, a man came up to me afterwards right and he said um, Rob amazing talk amazing talk can I just give you some feedback and you always know you're gonna like 
going to get something, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, give me the feedback. So um, he said, uh, I, I, he said, I really enjoyed your talk, but he said I switched off for a couple of minutes at the start because th- the first thing you said was, hey, guys, and there were a load of girls in the audience. And, I, and he started going off when I said, look, I'm really sorry, but it's just a term. Like, you know, what did you get out of the talk? And he started, he kept on looping back to it. And he's like, he was just like a stuck record. And I said, look, I appreciate the feedback, but obviously like we can't, we can't move on from this. You need to kind of decide what's going to happen here. But, but this is a, but that's my identity. That's me like standing up for what I believe in and delivering how I, what I, you know, and if people don't get that, I'm cool with that. Cause marketing branding for me is about as much about repelling the wrong sorts of clients as it is about attracting the right ones. Exactly. So where do we go from here, Danny? What are you working on at the moment? Um, honestly, I've got, I've got a few um, dream clients that I'm working with, which is what I want, what I've always wanted. Um, ground up startups that are building something incredible that I'm um, a really big part of and a really cool part of the team, which is fantastic. Um, so I've got a few of them at the moment. Uh, working on a, a whisper. Lot of- there's a whisper in town, Danny, that you've written a book but not published it yet. <laughs> yeah, so I was really fortunate during the Morgie days. Oh, I love that I can call it the Morgie days, like it's a legendary TV sitcom. So the book, um, I started compiling a load of interviews I did um, as part of Morgie and uh, traveling around meeting people. I was really fortunate to speak um, on stage with people like Google and Facebook and all kinds of amazing people, which was completely unexpected at the time. But I took the opportunity to have conversations with people and uh, interview some people. And I've compiled them into a book, basically, which never got published um, just because uh, of the change in my circumstances at the time. But I I have um, essentially the the majority of a book written, um, which is a compilation of uh, interviews with people like the, the guy who started Metro Bank, Um, who went on to create Atom Bank, which is a savings and mortgage bank up north. He's now moved on to Australia, but um, he introduced me to a number of people. Um, People like Ashok Vaswani, CEO of Barclays, Paul Pomeroy, CEO of McDonald's UK, Um, the guy Mikhail Yang, who started ManyChat, Chatbots, Um, the guy who runs Culture at Canva, um, Zach, he's a really cool guy, and just just loads of people that I came into contact with that I kind of took the opportunity to ask them questions and interview them. And um, yeah, well, you know what you know what I always say, Danny. You know what I always say when somebody tells me that they've got a book inside them or outside them. You know what you know what I'm going to say? It's selfish of you not yeah. to publish it. I knew you were going to say that. That value, the value which you've got in those interviews. I just think you need to you need to get that out there, mate. I've um I've spoke. Your audio's gone again. I think. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's okay. We'll we'll edit those foibles out of the recording. But but Danny, so selfish of you not to publish it. Um and and for our one listener out there, we'll we'll hold you to account. Me and my one listener will hold you to account to <laughs> to get that book published. I will. It's, um, I've got a, the cover designed. It's all ready, really. Uh, I just need to kind of rewrite a few bits, take out a few uh, stumbling blocks and bits that aren't relevant anymore because it was essentially... Prolific beats yeah. perfect, Danny. Yeah. Get it yeah, done. Get it. Just, just get, it, get it done. Get it out there. All right. All right. When, when are you going to do it by? 
Where are we? I'll do it by my birthday, which is February. <laughs> Actually, let's do it for my son's birthday, which is the day after mine. So my okay. son's first birthday. By your, okay. Of I, February. I know I know a good designer if you want to get your cover designed. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Um, cool, man. Listen, I've got two two final questions, um, which I, I, I wanted to ask. So um, the first one is uh, uh, we're going to we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine and set the clock back for 10 years ago. And we happen to bump into Danny Matthews from 10 years ago. Uh, you're you're going to take the guy out for a beer. Maybe he's feeling a bit down and you're going to impart some words of wisdom. What are you going to say to him? Do it all and do it now. Perfect. And um, our last question is, um, you know, what, if, if, if anybody wants to get hold of you, if they want to follow this up, if they want to have a chat with you about their branding, how can they get hold of you? Uh, most active on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, connect with me there. Uh, Facebook Messenger is like the hub of my life at the minute. So just jump in there if you've got any questions. Um, yeah, feel free to, to ask away or, or ask for any advice. I'm, I, honestly, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm, I think people have recognized over the years that I'm quite generous with my time. And if, um, if people really need help with something, just let me know. Cool. And your website's dannyand.co, isn't it? I think. It is. Yes. Yeah. It's in, uh, I'm redesigning my portfolio at the minute, but there's plenty of details on there, information about me. Um, yeah. And uh, awesome. the Facebook page, dannyandco.design. Amazing. Awesome. Thanks ever so much, Danny. Really appreciate all of your, um, your pearls of wisdom today and telling us your story as well, sharing your story with the listeners. Uh, just checking whether we had any questions out on the... Um, no questions as such, but we've got a few people. We've had uh, Andrew's um, made several comments in there, so you can go back and check out the feed for that. He says, uh, great, great quote that I read from Dan Norris on business validation. Uh, he said, you don't, don't know what your clients don't want until you put a buy button on your offering. <laughs> Frank Kern said something similar the other day. Actually, is just like, it, like the, the the small business owner's biggest mistake is they just don't put enough offers out there. If you don't put an offer out there, nobody's going to buy anything. Uh, and we don't mean like discount offers or buy it now, buy my shit now sort of stuff. But like, if you're not telling people what the next step in your process is, like, i.e book onto a consultation or let's like, you know, you need to fill out this form or you need to go and watch this video. Like nobody's going to know what to do. Uh, Pam Linscott says, hi guys. Uh, Danny Clark checked in, said, what's up fellas? I think you know Danny, don't you? That old Danny Clark. Uh, so we've had a few I people. I know Danny. Yeah, I'm part of Danny's group. Um, cool. But that's it. Uh, listen, Danny, I hugely appreciate your time today. Uh, like I thank said, you. great pearls of wisdom there. Um, thank you very much for coming on as a guest onto the Fearless Business Podcast. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having me.